This is the story of Henry Sutton, Australia's greatest inventor. It's the 30th of June in 2014, and you are sitting with me in a research room of the archive section of the Smithsonian Institute Library in Washington, D.C. We're turning the pages of a hardbound journal collecting several years' worth of a magazine called The Electrician, the world's earliest and foremost electrical engineering periodical and scientific journal. And we're up to page 821 and the year 1910 in search of evidence that shows Australia's greatest inventor, was written out of history for one of his greatest inventions. This is a man who published the first results of experiments in powered flight in Australia, who invented the telephone handset, invented and built the world's first telephone network, invented the fax machine, built the world's first front-wheel drive car, and, just possibly, might have sent an MMS, a wirelessly transmitted image, across a room in London in 1892 with a bloke he'd just met by the name of Nikola Tesla. But most definitely, he did propose the technology for television and a way of broadcasting a horse race from Melbourne to Ballarat in 1885, some 40 years before the official invention of television. But that's not what I'm here to find out about. Another volume is opened. Another round of trawling down the page. And there it is. It's an apology, of sorts, written by a man called Eccles in which he states, I thank you for giving me the opportunity of being the first to congratulate Mr. Sutton on the fact that his paper for a Galena detector antedates my paper. I may add that it would have been a matter of great regret to me if the paper had, by prior publication, injured a meritorious inventor. Nine years later, the author of this apology, a British physicist named Dr. William Eccles, would come up with a new name for this Galena detector. He'd call it a diode. Almost 30 years after Eccles names and claims the diode, an American team of researchers at Bell Laboratories led by Dr. William Shockley would come back to these experiments of Mr. Sutton and Dr. Eccles, and they'd invent something called the transistor, which would then become the superconductor. In 1956, Shockley, along with two of his core team members, would be awarded the Nobel Prize. Eight of the people on Shockley's team would move on from their original office on San Antonio Road in Mountain View, California, to start more than 60 companies. As a result, people would start calling this part of the world Silicon Valley. But all references to this Mr. Sutton would by then have disappeared. The only real evidence is this apology, and a previous letter written by this Mr. Sutton. This is proof, in black and white, that Henry Sutton, from a town called Ballarat, west of Melbourne, invented the very foundation of the modern communications industry, and was given the credit in the pages of a journal titled The Electrician, published December 18, 1910. Did I shout about it? Did I make some larrikinish Aussie verbal boast, only to be shushed by a stern librarian? No, I sent an MMS to the woman who had inspired me to travel here. It was two photos of the volume I had opened in front of me, with two words. Found it. The woman is Lorraine Branch, the person who has single-handedly, single-mindedly pursued the research and writing of a book about her great-grandfather for the past 10 years. This book, for the first time in history, collates all the things that Henry Sutton invented and all the ways his discoveries and innovations were either claimed by others or were discarded and ignored. 
It's a story of snobbery, ignorance and cultural cringe of an Australian government class that could not cope with the idea that a homeschooled genius from a mining town could possibly be smarter than academics from Europe and the USA. It's a story of how a man who lived by a philosophy that his best ideas were given for the benefit of humanity rather than turned into money spinners for private enterprise was shunted from the history pages. It's the story that's taken Lorraine Branch from Brisbane to Ballarat, to London, to the online databases of libraries across the USA and Europe in the name of fighting primary resources that feature her great-grandfather. It's a book she spent 10 years working on without any backing or support from Australian publishers, despite receiving enthusiasm and advocacy from some of Australia's most prominent media identities in science and technology. This is a podcast about what's in that book plunging us back into the late 1800s and early 20th century to hear from the people there at the time, as well as hearing from some of the people in the 21st century who are talking about Henry Sutton now. And just as I'm about to plug in my microphone and ask Lorraine about her book, the doorbell rings, and Lorraine screams and runs from the room. Yeah? Yeah, I'll go straight for Yeah. What's just happened, Lorraine? My books have just arrived. <laughs> How exciting. This is great. So there's a white van. There's a white van out the front. Yeah. And there's a man who's got how many boxes? The thirty-four. And, and this re represents how many years of work? Ten years of work. Uh, hard, hard slog. <laughs> yeah, research all around the world. It's just been fabulous to finally have it in print. I feel like I'm here at just the right time. Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> You're making history by being here. <laughs> So when was the moment you thought you'd, you'd self-publish? Like, was there, did you pitch the book to publishers? Oh, yes, and even, yeah, even Robin Williams tried and just didn't, it was just, they didn't think it would sell very many and my, my very first copy was sold overseas. <laughs> so what were some of the responses from the publishers? Oh, they just didn't think it would sell enough copies to warrant the publishing. Uh, but um, and they said get it properly edited, which I did, and I decided, well, I've done all that. I might as well just publish it myself. <laughs> because I think it's like an interesting echo of the uh, of the response to Henry himself that the Australian media didn't really pick up on his discoveries. No, and it's been indicative of, of you know every time you say Henry Sutton, it's like Henry Sutton who, <laughs> and what did he do, and and what did he invent, and and. It's not about so much all his inventions, it's about his body of work and what he contributed to the world and, and science and innovation that gives you your technology today. So it's the overall picture. When you read the book, you understand how things got started and his contribution and how enormous it was to everything we use today. Was there ever a moment where you thought, I'm, I'm just never gonna get to the end of this. I'm never, this isn't gonna happen. Oh yes, sometimes I'd throw my hands up in the air and I'd have to take a breather and sit back and, you know, it, the, the, there was always this nagging push. It was like Henry was pushing me along and that something would happen to help me along a bit more and a bit more. And eventually we got there, which was great. <laughs> was, there, was there something you discovered that you absolutely never thought you'd, you'd, you'd find in terms of, you know, primary materials or written materials? Oh, I didn't think I'd find so many published letters of Henry's and and to find, uncover new cars that were unknown to Australian history early on in the piece that he built. Uh, I think that, that was pretty significant. And just uh, how much was published around the world but not here was just astonishing. I, I followed Henry and where he wrote, who he wrote to and what journals. I just followed his journey of his life and what he was saying and doing at the time and who he met. If you're listening right now and asking yourself, 
why haven't I heard of this Henry Sutton before? You're not alone, and it's not the first time I've heard this question asked. In fact, Robin Williams, one of Australia's great broadcasters, science journalists and thought leaders, has been asking people about Henry Sutton as well. This is him speaking in 2015. I've been around the country, oh, for many years, and I've asked a very simple question, what did Henry Sutton do in Ballarat in 1885? And when I did that in Ballarat, not too long ago, with George Negus as the main speaker in a room like this, he looked completely bewildered. When I did it in 101 Collins Street, hosted by Simon McKeown, the chairman of, well, CSIRO and now I think AMP, he looked rather bewildered. But one person in the room nodded wisely, and that was Catherine Livingston, who chairs Telstra. And another person who always nodded, because he knew way, way, way back, was Barry Jones, the former Minister of Science. And when I mentioned that on air, when being interviewed by uh, Ray Martin on Channel 9, he, he asked me what would be the most exciting thing for people to know about. I said, Henry Sutton. And that uh, Barry Jones had actually taken a demonstration of the telephane, the television precursor, uh, to Japan as part of an exhibition. People don't know this. Now, science has got an awful lot of those sorts of stories. Here's a fun fact for you. The person who moved the vote to create the RACV more than a century ago was Henry Sutton. This speech marked one of the turning points in bringing Henry Sutton's name back from obscurity. Here's what Robin had to say to me after making that speech at the RACV club. Robin Williams, you've just finished the first inaugural Henry Sutton oration. What brought you to Melbourne to do this? Well, he's a hero of mine. When I go around the country and said, what did Henry Sutton do in Ballarat in 1885? And they all look blank because they expect me to say something really obscure, like, you know, discover the meson or the aardvark, and I say he invented television. You what? So I then looked further, and I found some of Lorraine Branch's writings on what else he did, and it's stupendous. He's one of the greatest inventors in the history of the world. And as Mark Dodson from the University of Queensland, the professor said, he's a genius. So... It's about time we celebrated him, and that's what I'm doing here. So before we head back in time to the 1870s, let's make a shorter jump, back to the turn of the 21st century. In 2003, I was in the newly established ABC regional radio station Ballarat, doing what I always do in a new town, trawling the history books to get a sense of who, what, and how this place came to be. And I read references to this man Henry Sutton, inventing telephones, inventing a carbon filament light bulb within 16 days of Thomas Edison, of Alexander Graham Bell visiting the Sutton Family Music Store in Ballarat, and of that astounding claim that he proposed to televise the Melbourne Cup 40 years before television officially existed. There's a small, devoted, and very talented crew of historians who live and work in Ballarat, and for the next six years, I kept ringing and hassling them, asking, badgering, hypothesizing, surely there's something in existence that proves these claims. In 2009, I got a call from one of these historians, Claire Gervasoni, from what is now called SMB, what was once the School of Mines Ballarat, the technical college built for the further education of the city's young men in the mining-related trades, like geology, metallurgy, engineering, and electricity. As I recall, the phone conversation was brief. I think you better get down here. There's someone you need to meet. 
This is a recording from the year 2009, and this is Lorraine Branch's very first experience of having someone point a microphone at her and ask questions about her great-grandfather, Henry Sutton. I've come today to gather more information on my great-grandfather because of extraordinary achievements through his life and I'm very interested in all the things he did and where they led to. And because Australian citizens don't know much about him and Australia didn't record much in in the way of the history of what he did, much of it's much overseas because of his fame over there, but Australia just didn't record it, so I'm sort of seeking to aim that remedy. <laughs> Indeed, and I've looked, skipped through a lot of his achievements there very quickly, but let's, uh, can, we, can we go back and, and talk about them? Uh, number one, of course, uh, I guess this idea of televising the Melbourne Cup 30 years before television was even invented via a telephone. Ah, yes. Well, he was first 15 when he took the, the idea to his, his brother and said, look, I've, crea I've created a method w which we could transmit um, the race to Ballarat so people can see it because everybody wanted to see it and they couldn't. And he described to his brother how that was going to happen. And by 1885, he'd come up with the with the whole idea. By 1890 his paper was published and he built, he built a device called the telephone which is a precursor to television which was really mechanical TV. This is before technology, before he was ahead of his time so what we really needed to build it wasn't invented yet but he, he devised a way to transmit and other people did similar things around that time and he was he was one of three in, in the world around that time that came up with a certain idea about it in certain different ways. He, he ended up with a NIPCO disc and with a camera and, and built his contraption, which you could see, and there, there it was. And we called it the telephone. Now, this idea of broadcasting a horse race, the Melbourne Cup, from Flemington to Ballarat, decades before John Logie Baird demonstrates the technology to the world in the 1920s, it's been quoted and requoted so many times on the web that you can find references that claim he actually did it. But he didn't. He didn't do it. But the truth is more extraordinary. His great passion was photography and his great obsession all through, through the photography was to transmit a picture. Uh, first through telegraphy and then through wireless. And he did transmit a picture with Tesla in London in 1892. He, Henry was there at that there and just for something to do they transmitted using Henry's principles of his telephone. The listener can just hear um, uh, uh, <laughs> Lorraine just actually picked, actually picked my jaw up off the floor there. <laughs> that, that Henry's son actually met Nikola Tesla, the man who invented radio. Oh, he's best friends. He knew him for a very long time and they were friends. That's the sound of my jaw hitting the floor for the second time. Lorraine, <laughs> tell me more. I'm learning more. I'll let you know when I know more. But I, I, I've tried to establish exactly when he actually would have first met Tesla. But because Henry knew Edison and Tesla worked for Edison when he first went to America, uh, I'm thinking maybe somewhere there or he, he bumped into him in England on his trip and just got talking. But I, I, I can imagine that he would have known him before that because you just don't walk up to Tesla and go, hey, here, <laughs> here's my telephone. You want to have a go? 
<laughs> so I, I could imagine he, he pre-knew him and I, he, I haven't got to America stuff yet when he went to America but I would imagine he probably went to Tesla's laboratory which would have been to see the Tesla coil. I think that would have just been absolutely spectacular. <laughs> now I'm not one of those Nikola Tesla freaks who whispers about the government conspiracy involving his earthquake machine, his death ray or his free energy device. But if you think Tesla is just the name of an electric car, let this apprentice history nerd explain to you that the Serbian-American man named Nikola Tesla gave the world alternating current electricity. He invented wireless broadcasting, he built the world's first radio station, and he invented the technology for lasers. That's all without doubt true. Don't get me started about Marconi. We'll get to that in a bit. The fact that Henry Sutton not only met with Nikola Tesla, but carried out an experiment with him that they sent an image via wireless in the year 1892, 100 years before an engineer sent the words Merry Christmas to the mobile device owned by the director of Vodafone. I've waited almost 10 years since recording that interview with Lorraine to find out the truth to that. But as it turns out, there's much, much more to learn. My name's Jared Watt. I'm a multi-platform journalist and editor based in Hong Kong. Previous to my life here, I spent 13 years in the town of Ballarat working for the ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. In my spare time, though, I've been trying to find out more about the story of Henry Sutton. This is episode one in a podcast about the life and legacy of Henry Sutton. Thank you for downloading and listening to this. I really hope you can join me for the next few episodes as we unpack this story because it really is extraordinary.